Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 225, covering Chrysalis and Treachery, Faith, and the Great River. Friends, it's another week of DS9, and here we are. Mm Mm-hmm. That, that's it. I'm, I'm running out of funny ways or clever ways or interesting ways to say, hi, we're here to tell you about Star Trek. You you know the deal. Yeah, no, you, you get it at this point. You're not coming in at episode two, what is it, 225 and saying, well, I wonder what, what is this show? I wonder what's happening. Yeah, this, come on, we're in, we're in almost the middle of season seven of the third Star Trek series. Like, hopefully you know what's going on yeah. at this point. You're not dumb. Come on. No, you, you know what the deal is. Yeah, you're a reasonably like you. intelligent individual. Yeah, and you smell nice, too. Yeah, and you're very handsome. Look at yes. That, look at that face. Hmm. Yeah. Mm, ooh, ooh. No, don't turn that way. Ooh. Oh, you have you're... very thick ears from the back. Yeah, really, really chunky ears. Wow. You should be Something... ashamed of yourself. Something we noticed about Odo that we never noticed before. He's mm-hmm. like, they shot him from the back of the head, and he turned his head just so, and his ears are like six inches thick. Yep. He's got these... Like slabs, he's got like a stake on the side of his head that's flesh-colored. I'm jealous of Quark and his giant ears. Yeah, but his ears—they're not—they're not remotely the same. Nope. I didn't want it to look like I was jealous of Quark, so I just enhanced the ears somewhat. Right. See, they're a bit larger, but only if you squint and look hard. Only if you squint your ears. Yes. Right. Your first set of ears. Uh, we're you—you've well, uh—you've spoiled a bad thing, but that's—that's no. that's later. These people will forget what you said by the time we get there. Yes, forget. Because first, we're going to talk about chrysalis. Yes, please. Uh, Okay, and here is Al's summary. Remember the movie Awakenings? That's the one where Robin Williams plays world-famous neurologist Oliver Sacks, who used a controversial treatment to revive a handful of near-catatonic metal patients, one of whom was Robert De Niro. Now, replace Robin Williams with Alexander Siddig, Replace Oliver Sacks with Julian Jules Bashir, special friend of Garrick, keeper of Kukalaka, ignorer of Gamma Quadrant plagues, he promised to cure. Replace Robert De Niro with that silent chick from the Genetic Misfits episode from last season. Now you've basically got this episode. Oh, and also Robin Williams tries to sleep with De Niro once he revives him. That pretty much covers it, I think. So, yeah. The Genetic Commandos are back, and this time they're not committing full-on treason. They're just pretending to be high-ranking Starfleet officers during a war, which is slightly less punishable by death, but only slightly. Turns out they did it to get Serena, the one who didn't talk last time, some help. So Julian does some boring medical blah blah blah, but then they put her in a dress and some makeup and suddenly she's pretty, so obviously everything's fine now. She spends a few acts learning what it means to be human in all the usual ways. Gambling, joining an acapella group, providing deep insights into people she's only spent a few hours with, you know, the usual stuff. Then Julian puts the moves on her because that's the completely appropriate thing to do here. Then Serena, realizing that it really is super creepy for her doctor to want to fuck her, very sensibly decides to pretend to be in a trance again until he knocks it off. He does, then she leaves. Poor Julian. Wait, poor Julian? Is that what we're supposed to take away from this? Really? Yeah, that's, um... Um, there are some worrying uh, developments here. That would have been my bad thing. That he that he's really inappropriate. However, one, 
he he recuses himself from the case and like lets another doctor take over and two it goes horribly wrong for him yes so the episode knows and it backs off doctor whatever i want you to take over is the doctor for my patient here why you're the best why you're the best possible doctor to to work with her like you know you're genetically enhanced just like her you're far better at this job than me like what possible reason could you have to want me to do this job well i want to have sex with her and i can't no, I think I think he would do the uh, make one finger in like one hand's fingers into an O and the other index finger moving in and out of the O. You, you know what I mean? Ah, uh, the old in and out, huh? Of course, uh? this this doctor's from a species that doesn't breed that way and doesn't know what that means. No, I'm sorry, I uh, release a cloud of spores. You want to play whack a mole with her? Is that I don't, what you're doing? I, are you you're gonna push your finger into her finger holes? <laughs> well, in a manner of speaking, I suppose. I suppose that's a very clever metaphor. I'm a very I'm very clever and good at metaphors. <laughs> I will say like I said the, the, it 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 is a creepy inappropriate thing but the, again the episode totally like it backfires for exactly that reason. Yeah, well it should like this this woman has been not catatonic for about 24 hours maybe like uh, not I even would, a I, I, not even a full the... deep space 9 day. I would say, giving the total benefit of the doubt, maybe this unfolds over a week. Yeah, but that's it. Certainly not long enough for him to to ease out of his role as her physician and into a role as a romantic uh, paramour. Yeah. is that the word I want? Uh, sure. Pompadour. Pompadour. Yeah, that's troubadour. Right. I don't know. Here's what I want to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna for the first time in my life makes make it so that you have that you can talk. And interact with the world around you. Then I'm going to introduce the idea of having sex with me, the person who saved you from a life of catatonia, and take you away from all of the people you spent the last 15 years with. Uh huh. Annoying as they are. Yeah. In fairness. And it backfired on me. Who could have seen it happen? In fairness, he is trying to get her away from uh, Jack and um, Patrick and. and uh... Um, sex couch. Sex, yeah, sex couch. That's her name, right? Sex couch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We did find out that that the actor who plays the woman we call sex couch was in was in a punk band, which I presume was called Sex Couch, because <laughs> that just fits. What, once I found that out, it's like, okay, that's actually something I'd like to find. I'd like to learn more about. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what she, what she uh, got up to. <laughs> Tell me more about your punk band, Sex Couch. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do it while you're standing? Please. She does stand in this episode. She does. And she she does this sexy hip thing where she's got her hands on her hips and her other hip is very jutting out like, all right, why don't you come up and see me sometime, big boy? Like, yep. Ugh. Can one thing you say not be sex? No. Sex. Not. Sex. Hesh wants sex. <laughs> Didn't look bad in the Starfleet uniform, though. No, she didn't. But in fairness... I've said, well, I've said this about these uniforms in particular. I think everybody looks good in these. That, right? is, that is true. The the gray, like, late DS9 uniforms, these ones. Yep. Uh, except for Patrick. But he looks better in a Starfleet uniform than he does in oh, God. your bad thing. Can we possibly find Patrick better clothes than his giant velvet romper? Please? <laughs> he looks like there should be a pair of overalls over this thing. Yep. Like they look they look like hillbilly long underwear that you see in a movie where someone's chasing you out of their outhouse that has a moon carved in it. Yep. <laughs> it's like he should be waving a pitchfork and saying consarnet while he drinks out of a out of a clay jug with three X's on it. Right. Yeah. Uh except 
the, for the very important fact that there's no butt flap on the thing. Yeah, there's definitely no butt flap. And I believe we talked about that last time. So, because I'm fascinated by butt flaps. Like, well, by by re- the recurring imagery of hack comedy, which includes the butt flap. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, slipping on banana peels and that sort of thing. I but mean, this, look, this if is... Patrick had slipped on a banana peel, I think that would have been fine. Mm-hmm. While they, were been... ru- while they were running down the corridors of DS9. It would have been less interminable than my bad thing. Ah, uh, yes, please. Which was the 20-minute musical tribute to Do-Re-Mi. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Like, we complained about uh, t- there being too much singing in um, uh, episodes that feature Vic Fontaine. Mm-hmm. And Nate pointed this out as kind of an outsider, someone who hadn't been watching along, and suddenly came in and said, wait, who's this guy? Why Why is he singing? And, like, it felt natural to us because we were sort of eased into it. Yeah. But now I'm way more aware mm-hmm. of the fact that songs, like, th- this is my main thing, like, why I don't like musicals. It's not that I don't like musicals. It's that I think in bad musicals, songs are padding. Yeah, I like, can see that. It's like... They're stalling. They don't have enough story, so let's just put some music in for a while. Well, it definitely feels like that. And it feels like that here, and this isn't even a musical. Yeah. I, I've i noticed season seven of Deep Space Nine is going to go down in history as the most musical season of Star Trek ever. Well, so far. That's true, yeah. There could be, like, you know, we Enterprise, don't know could have, Enterprise, uh, got up to, Enterprise so. could have karaoke night, I guess. Or they could just do a musical episode, like, like TV shows did for a while. Yeah, that 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 was actually very popular while uh, Enterprise was on the air. Yeah, I mean mid mid last decade. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's certainly possible. I I have no idea. Captain, some kind of plague got onto the ship that's making everyone break out in song. Oh, I've seen this episode of Buffy. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's at least putting as much thought into it as Buffy did, where there's a reason everyone's doing it. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 cute because okay, this actually ties into my good thing. Mm. Uh, initially when Serena wakes up, like, come, you know, comes to, uh, she's got like a deaf person voice, like, a, and, and forgive me because I, I, I need, I want to tell you what it sounds like. I'm not making fun of deaf. Well, no, there are literally no deaf people listening to the show, so I guess it doesn't matter. That is true. No, but I do think I do. My, my knee jerk was like, Ooh, this is offensive. Is this voice where you can't really hear what you're saying? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And it's like, Oh God, are they really doing that? And then they explain where it came from. And it's like, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, she's never heard her own voice before. Yeah. She's got to get used to it. Yeah. And it made me realize I liked that I briefly felt uncomfortable before I didn't. Like, the show, I don't know how to explain this exactly. It kind of took a chance. It yeah. went out of its comfort zone and did something a little little weird. But like, they, they could have e- easily have had her just talking like a normal person. Right. You know, it would have been, su- like, that would have been super easy. But, you yeah. know. They did something a little a little... It's like, okay, this is going to look bad for a couple of minutes, but trust us here. Yeah. And that's good. I'm glad that they're smart enough and, and trustworthy enough. It it goes back to, like I was saying, like Julian doing something bad and it blowing up in his face. Like, they're aware enough now mm-hmm. that bad things have consequences. Yes. And, and in this case, they actually went as far as to have Jack say, wow, listen to you. You sound like this. Like, oh, Jesus. Did well, they really yeah. just do that? And then everyone goes, Jack, what's wrong with you? Okay. All right. Good. Good. And then and then he goes, Are you do you not expect me to be the guy who says the asshole stuff? Is that is this new information to you? Yeah, and I kind of mm-hmm. figure that the show could not get away with showing some of the stuff that he would actually say. Yeah. Because he totally would. Yep. But no, I kinda liked I kinda liked that they risked being a little offensive for a second to mm-hmm. to, to do something 
that I hadn't thought of. Yeah, not really. Sense. It sort of works with the you know what's happening, and it's a good way of showing her sort of evolution into like you know a real person. Yeah. No, and I like. Apparently, we were reading in Memory Alpha. They made her uh, re-audition mm-hmm. for this role because in the previous one, her job was literally just to sit there. And then in this one, but, she had way more to do. She's basically the entire focus. And like, okay, we—that's not what you tried out for last time. We yeah. want to make sure you can do this too. Let's um, let's just make sure that you can uh, act. You know, yeah, we weren't no. we weren't looking for acting last time. We were looking for sit there and look a little creepy. Yeah. Or what? What was? I think we had Flonk on for that episode, wasn't he? I'll never tell. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she totally had that look, but she also carried this stuff really well too. Like, mm-hmm. like when it was time to bring it, she brought it. No, she she doesn't. She actually does a really good job on this show. I liked her character quite a bit. Yeah, and there's some cool stuff from her uh, in Memory Alpha from a from an interview mm-hmm. where she's like. So my direction was be completely blunt. Just there's nothing under the surface. Everything you say is exactly what what you're thinking. Yeah. And she's like, I know that sounds easy if you're not an actor, but your entire acting career, you're told you're saying this thing, but you're really thinking this thing. It exactly. becomes second nature. And for the first time, I had to just say what I meant. And it actually is very counterintuitive for an actor to do that. Yeah. And I could see that. And when you watch it with that in mind, it's like, wow, she's really good. I like that. And, yeah, no, she did. She did great. And you got you like uh, putting aside how creepy it is. You did get why Julian was kind of into her because she is smart and she is cute and mm-hmm. she was surprisingly well adjusted for someone who's never socialized before. Well, it's like getting back to that stuff from the first uh, um, genetically enhanced guys episode, where it's like these are people who I can like talk to who get me. You know, I don't have to be... Well, that's in a whole extra layer. I yeah. was I was just talking about sort of her her, her sort of surface features, but yes, then there's yeah. the fact that they do have that in common. You're right. It's like, listen, she like, not only is she smart and pretty and awesome and everything, she's also genetically enhanced so that she, so that, like, she can keep up with everything I'm talking about, and she's not crazy like these guys. Yeah, everyone else like me I've met are like those guys. This is the first person like me I've met that isn't broken. There was something slightly out of alignment that I went in and fixed, mm-hmm. and now she's fine. Do you know how much time she didn't spend on the table during our, during our date? None. None <laughs> either, time on the table. Either either lying there looking seductive or doing backflips. <laughs> those <laughs> are uh, <sighs> those are the two sides of that scale. There's one point where Jack is you know doing his crazy manic thing and he walks over and he jumps on the table on his way over to talk to Julian and does a somersault only it's a really bad edit and it's so clear either either it's a stunt man or it was the actor and they just did a really bad cut mm-hmm. it's possible that it wasn't a stunt man but but the editing sure made it look like it wasn't the same guy yeah let's just cut away and then cut back to it real quick yeah it was it it reminded me of original trek where it's like we were willing to forgive that stuff cuz tv was stupid and didn't know any better yet yep but by now, eh, come on. If you can't make it look natural, don't do it. There's, yeah. there's absolutely no reason for him to do a somersault there. Oh, this guy, this stuntman did a pretty good job. That wasn't a stuntman, that was me. Oh, well, they should have edited, edited it better That's then. the thing, it could have been him, yeah. who knows? Um, but anyway, uh, so we're talking about all the stuff that, that, you know, she has going for her and why Julian would be attracted to her, and this kind of leads into your good thing. Mm-hmm. I, um... I like Julian in the later parts of the episode. Like, I like watching him fall head over heels for this poor girl mm-hmm. who's been conscious for about a day. And yeah, he... this sensory overload is a big problem for her. And maybe f- suddenly falling in love with her is not the best way to help her with that. Yeah. 
it's great because like he he's so desperate and he ke- keeps making these stupid stupid mistakes. Yep. Well, just... But stupid sort of human mistakes, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like like we're giving him a lot of crap for being creepy, but on the other hand, yeah. No, look, it's not entirely awful. No, no, no. The thing is, it's inappropriate because he's her doctor. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it's like I see this. I see what he sees in her. I see him sort of moving too fast without realizing it. Like, I I get it. Mm-hmm. And I like, you know, I also like Serena, who has no idea what she should be doing during all of this. It's like, well, I don't, I, I've i never dealt with people before, and suddenly I'm supposed to be in a relationship with this dude. And, I mean, you know, I, I want to do whatever, because he made me be not trapped in my head for the rest of my life. Yeah, I want to show my gratitude, but maybe this isn't the best Quite way, the way to, to go that. about it. Yeah, that's not really how we do that in this culture. Yeah, no, it's all it's executed very well. Mm-hmm. I I agree. And also, when you really think about it, if 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 she's been like this her entire life, and I think she has, because the implication here is not that, like, often when fiction does this, it's like some traumatic event happened to make her retreat into her mind, and that's not what happened. Right. This is a chemical thing because he goes in and fixes it. Yeah. So. She's been like this her whole life, probably. So really, mentally, like like developmentally, let's say, men- like intellectually, she's you know she's quite advanced. But yeah, de- developmentally, she's a child. Yeah, she's never like she's gone from never kissing a boy to him wanting her to live there. Yeah, that you come, is a, li- you come yeah. live on the station with me, away from the people you've known your entire life. I mean, it is them, but still. There's a scene where she's uh where they're talking and uh, Julian's gonna go off to surgery or whatever, and she goes, "Well, I'll just go visit uh, Jack and the rest of them." And I go, "Why?" Yeah, and my my thought was, "Why is it Jack and the rest of them? Why is he the leader?" <laughs> well, well, it's definitely not Patrick's group, and I don't know Sex Couch's real name. I so. mean, I'm sure she has one, but uh, we all call her Sex Couch, right? We're like, gonna that's go not visit. Just... <laughs> we're gotta go visit Sex Couch and her friends. Yeah. Um. I do, I do really like um, Sex Couch and Her Friends. Sounds like a like a cable sitcom. Yep. This year on HBO, Sex Couch and Her Friends. It's like um, it's like a, it's like the cartoon version of an R-rated movie. Yes. It's um, like if they'd I, made a ba- if they'd made a Basic Instinct cartoon. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking if they tried to make Sex in the City for kids, but they did do bad. that actually. What? Yeah. What it's called The Carrie about? Diaries. Look it up. Oh, I don't think that's for kids exactly. No, it's for, uh, it's for uh, we filed it in. Uh... Young adult? Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I th- she has a she has a, a scene, um, not sex couch, uh, Serena. Um, <laughs> Got to clarify there. Yes. Where he first, uh, uh, Julian, like there, there's a bit of a commotion on the on the promenade because she's up and she's around and, and he says, what are you looking at? And she says. Everything, and I actually really like that. Yeah, just like, taking it all in. Yeah, but I like her reaction. Her just like all of it. Yeah. Of course, she's looking at that inexplicable giant flashing thing on the uh, the the big flashing sign? Question mark. I guess that just it looks like it's it's supposed to be there so that bugs can fly into it. Yeah. Got a real and, uh, they got a real cicada problem on uh, DS Nine. It um it it doesn't. It doesn't appear to serve any other purpose. Nope. Like it. It's not. 
spelling anything out. Nope. It's just a blinking. I don't know. And damn it, it's been there since the first episode. She's like, she, nee, 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 she nee, just got nee, out of her coma nee. and now she's having a seizure. Yep. So yeah. Uh, it's um, it's a, uh, it's beaming uh, uh, subliminal messages into your into your brain. Mm-hmm. A lot of people but, having to start running to quarks. <laughs> I heard quarks was fun. <laughs> to get here as soon as I possibly could. Yes. Tell me more about your Dabo tables. Uh, so let's see what else. Speaking of. Oh yeah, she does. The, the she does a bit of Rain scene. Man. Yeah, yeah, like come on, let's go gambling. Like okay, I think we've had enough, Julian, but we're winning. I I owe Quark eighty-seven bucks, and I, this is the only way I'm ever going to pay him back. He's going to have more and break by legs, and the only thing worse than having your legs broken is having your ear topped off while your legs are being broken. Yes, I know, Morn. It's very interesting. Ow! <laughs> oh, thank God. Maybe now they'll shut up. There's a scene oh. where um. Julian leaves uh, uh, O'Brien waiting in the at Quarks and uh, oh yeah they have a holodeck date yeah he, he gets in there and uh, O'Brien's like oh, it's, you kept me it's, you kept me waiting it's all right though Morn caught me up on his seventeen brothers and sisters <laughs> and then they change the subject and I just keep waiting for Julian to go well how are they yes don't keep me in suspense how is Vaughn and Jorn <laughs> and Nick <laughs> and Jick. <laughs> Uh, what else? That's that's pretty much all I got. I feel like yep, like this was a decent episode, but it's one of those where it's kind of like a a character thing, and there isn't a ton of uh, of of plot. And yeah, wh- the one thing I do like is we both expected the sort of like flowers for Algernon or or Awakenings or any of these kinds of movies where like he gets a or she gets a brief glimmer of of consciousness and everything, and then it goes bad and she goes back to normal. Yeah, but that didn't happen. It just. No, the sad she, part was that she didn't want to be with Julian, and then she left. Yeah, which and that's is not even honestly that sad. probably that's probably fine. Yes, no, that that is probably for better for everyone. Yeah, um, but yeah, I didn't like. I have to. This is yet another one of those times I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I need to stop sort of like saying what I think I'm going to think, and just you need to stop re- having opinions. Frankly, no, I need to stop having opinions ahead of time. There you go. I need to react to things after I see them, not before I see them. That's the problem. Mm. Incidentally, have I have I mentioned how I'm I'm keeping an open mind, keeping an open mind, keeping an open mind about, about Voyager. Voyager. It, but like seriously, I thought I didn't like the uh, the the genetic commandos episodes, and it turns out uh, both of them are pretty all right. Yeah. So I was wrong about that. We but, just don't like Jack. As with so many things. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Why would you like that character? He's a great character. Uh, so my Please quote, get off the table. Okay, flip. Uh, seemed unnecessary. <laughs> so my quote mm-hmm. is um, Chief O'Brien saying something very familiar at this point uh, f- from a Starfleet uh, Starfleet engineer. Julian, I can't break the laws of physics. Nobody can. All right, pressing forward to... An episode which I, I couldn't tell if I thought it was the best title or the worst title of DS9. It could be both. I think it's the worst. Uh, Treachery, Faith, and the Good River. Great River. Great River, excuse me. Good, good Great River. It's, it's, it's a fine river. <laughs> All right, so Odo takes a trip into enemy territory to meet with a Cardassian informant he thought was dead. Turns out to actually be Wayun, but not, but not our Wayun. No, our Wayun, Wayun 5, was mysteriously turned inside out and flushed down a toilet last month. 
Shame, really. This is Weyoun 6, and he's defecting to the Federation. Odo takes Weyoun prisoner, and they head back to DS9, only to be contacted by the new, improved, and not traitory at all Weyoun 7, the new blood, and working a sweet morning drunk Damar. Weyoun 7 and Damar both try to convince Weyoun 6 to kill himself, but he is not a number, he is a free man, and they escape some more. Eventually, Damar is able to convince Weyoun 7 that killing 6 and Odo is the only way to stop 6 from providing info to Starfleet, and they send a fleet of Jem'Hadar after Odo's runabout. While they hide, Six tells Odo about a sickness that has been infecting the Changelings. They're all dying, and Six hopes that Odo, who shows no signs of the disease at all, can restart a more friendly and democratic dominion. They will probably need to change the name. <laughs> Gem the Gemidarish fleet finally tracks them down, and they have the runabout on the ropes, when Wayun Six finally activates his suicide button, forcing Wayun Seven to call off the attack. As Six lies dying in Odo's arms, he finally breaks down and tells Odo the real reason he fled the dominion. As his last breath leaves him, Weyun reveals how terrified he was by Weyun 7. It appears that 7 was seen to messily devour a later Weyun clone, specifically Weyun 9. Back on the station, Nog and Chief O'Brien reenact in the cards. Yeah, pretty much. I, I, since you started calling him 6, mm -hmm. I'm just picturing uh, Cylon number 6 from Battlestar oh, Galactica. Dress, uh, yeah. Yes, and then 7 as 7 of 9. Yep. So that, throughout your summary, I'm now repicturing the episode with those characters in place of Wayun. See, I'm just picturing uh, them both with uh, Jeffrey Coombs' head. <laughs> no, with... no, his, he's still got his voice. <laughs> that too. Which, if you've been watching Gotham, uh, not far off. Oh, is he on Gotham? He, he was briefly on Gotham. W was he anybody I would know? No, he played some dude who ran a, uh, this, uh, hospital where they would uh, reattach body parts to different people. Isn't that vaguely like his role in whatever Lovecraft movie he was in? Maybe. I haven't actually seen uh, Reanimator. That's the one. Yeah. But doesn't he, doesn't he basically play a Dr. Frankenstein in that? Yes, yeah. And now he's doing like Dr. Frankenstein-y stuff on, uh, on Gotham? That's uh, He cool. was, and then a bad guy stitched his head to a woman. Eh, that's fair. Mm -hmm. I mean, in Gotham, that's fair. In yeah. real life, that would be horrifying and wrong, but in <laughs> Gotham, that feels about right. <laughs> Show's fucking weird. I I'm, I don't mean Gotham the show. I mean Gotham City, the fictional city. Oh yeah, that city's fucking weird too. Yeah, <laughs> giant typewriters lying around. Giant and, typewriters, big statues for some reason. What the and, fuck? And chemicals that'll turn you into all manner of things. Mm -hmm. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Deep Space Nine. Yes, where they where, where the chemicals pretty much do what they're told. Yes, the um. The chemicals give you changeling disease. Actually, we don't know where it came from yet. No. So. Yeah. We just know that there is changeling disease. There is a changeling, which, who knew? We've been using the, the metaphor all this time of the changelings being in a giant ocean orgy, mm -hmm. and now there's a VD running rampant among all of them. Huh. Yep. Well, and, and really, like, okay, we, we don't know that it's a venereal disease, but the fact is uh, they all have it, and if you're a changeling, every disease is a venereal disease. Yep. So, yeah. This was this was interesting because, I I mean, I think we've heard before that yeah, because Weyoun was killed off the first time. Yeah, we because uh, we started when he first showed up. It was Weyoun four. I, okay, and he got uh, killed in that that episode. And but then... I'm but but from a writing perspective, what I'm saying is they invented the idea of Vorta being cloned because they liked Jeffrey Combs so much they wanted to bring him back. Yes, and so oh, uh, we just keep growing these guys, and so now they're sort of exploring what that means by mm. saying, yeah, we keep like every time one dies, there's here's a new one because this guy is particularly suited to this Cardassian thing, so. We need him. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. And I love 
I love that Damar very clearly murdered him. Yeah. And there's two scenarios in my head. Either either he knows that they're just going to clone up another one, and it's like, okay, but at least this will get me get him off my back for a day. Yep. Or I like to think this first time he doesn't know. It's just that. I, finally, I got rid. Oh, for the for the love of Christ! It just shows like he just walks into the office the next morning and uh, Wayne's there again drinking a cup of coffee. What? Oh, a- <sighs> good morning. Oh, and he good. just makes some kind of exasperated. <sighs> Why won't you die? You can't or kill Wayne. That or he looks down at his canar, rubs his eyes. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Except that would involve him not drinking it anymore. Uh, oh, no, he doesn't pour it out. You notice I didn't take it that far. <laughs> he pours it into his mouth. Yeah. Uh, I do, But I do like, like, presumably the first time he tried to do that, uh, you know, he was surprised by the fact that there was another Wayun. But mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe he's done this before at this point. We, we, we don't really know. Yeah. I just, it, it, it is amusing to me. It is amusing to me. And watching DeMar's continued slide into just... Uh, lonely alcoholism. <laughs> Drunken, sad. Re- There's a point in this one where he's just like, you know, you should maybe have a drink with me because I'm very lonely. Yep. Still don't want to drink your canar. And I told you, I I told you to keep the floozies out of here. I know that's why I'm lonely. <laughs> Things were doing all right until you kicked all my floozies out. Yep. Now who will I have sex with? Wait, so long, like, Mr. D. It. Oh no, I'm I'm sure he gets whoever he wants on Cardassia because Well, he's, he's... the king of Cardassia now, so Right. And Cardassia is not really a society where you get to have any individual freedom, I don't think. Yeah. Is basically like, okay, I'll take her, her, him, her, and her. Send me up some Bajoran women. We don't have those anymore. Uh then surgically alter all of them. <laughs> that shouldn't be too hard. Yes. Oh wait, it isn't. Um, you, seven thirty, bring a friend. We're just we're just turning him into the sheriff of Nottingham from uh, Prince of Thieves. That's yep. okay. <laughs> Does that oh, mean he's going to kill somebody with a spoon on his forehead? Yes. <laughs> well played. <laughs> I'm just imagining Alan Rickman as a Cardassian. And that would be awesome. He would make a great fucking uh, Cardassian. How many lights do you see? Yep, that would be perfect. Yep. Uh, so what was your good thing about this episode? I could watch the two different and unique way you bicker at each other all day. Yep. Like, Jeffrey Coombs does a great, like, look, Jeffrey Coombs always does a great job. Well, it's kind of like, we're, we've talked about this before, we're late in a series, okay, we've said this guy's a great actor about 10,000 times, you, you get it. But what's great about this episode is you can see how he plays the two different Wayuns. Yep. Like, they're both, like, they both, they're both different, but they're also both the same person. Like, it's like they're, they're play they're both playing up different aspects of the same person, almost. And he could easily overplay, quote-unquote, broken Wayun. Mm-hmm. He, like, he could make him way more defective. He could make him sort of cartoon crazy or, you know what I mean? Like, a little too manic or a little too whatever. And it's it's all sort of subtle. The thing I like about Wayun 6, like, uh, defective Wayun, is that I don't think he's defective at all. Like, all, the only thing that's happened is he's had an opinion. Yeah, well, he's he's got maybe a little bit of morality or at least he's he's at least got a little bit of empathy where he's kind of seeing the other side of it. Yeah. That's it. That's all there is. It's just like, n- look, listen, this war isn't going to work. Yep. Um, and I li- like, and I, he's still got that devotion, like to Odo, that I really like. Like, there's a, there's a scene where he's talking about how, it's like, all I really, all I really want is for, all, all the changelings are dying except for you. 
So what we can do is you can you can start a new dominion that's not evil. Yeah, because it's so deeply bred into him. Yeah. That the the founders will always be and the dominion will always be. Yeah. That he's I wonder if that was his defect. If it's like, well, I'm supposed to worship founders. All these founders are dying, so I better worship the one founder that isn't dying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's like that's was, all it is. It's like he was going over notes or whatever at some point and like it was he's not defective at all. He just found out that the founders are dying and he's like, "Well, yeah, I bet I better back the winning horse now. <laughs> Time to break out the contingency plan." But but he's still wired to to worship uh, changelings. Yeah. So he's still got to go for another changeling, and his only other option is Odo. Mm-hmm. And I also like uh, we've got Wayun Seven, the one who Damar basically convinces to kill God. <laughs> uh, real quick, mm-hmm. he spends the previous act convincing him that he is not a surreptitious killer. Nope. That he does not he does not engage in secret cloak and dagger murders. And then the very next act, he says, Now let's without telling the changeling, murder somebody. Let's plan this secret cloak and dagger murder. Right. Like seriously, he does he does the exact thing that he just finished co- trying to convince him that he hadn't done. It's fantastic. <laughs> but as which is very Cardassian. Yep. Like I I don't think that's bad writing at all. I think no, it's I think very it's perfect. I think it's very in character for a successful Cardassian to lie about being one way and then just be that way again. Mm-hmm. But anyway, go ahead, go ahead. There's also something I really like about the idea of Damar whispering into Wayun's ear for once, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he's doing... He, my comment at, the, at one point is he's getting very Viziri. Yes. Come on. I, you don't have to tell female changeling everything. We can, I, we can take care of this ourselves. Listen, you know, he's, he has... He, he's even said that he's, he doesn't consider himself a founder. It wouldn't really be murder at all. Yeah, and it, it's certainly not deicide because he's not one of your gods. He keeps denying that he is. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. Yep, uh, it's you make, fantastic. You make some compelling points, Damar. Maybe you're not the drunken loser I thought you were. Well, and maybe I won't kill you on the transporter pad. Damar's like, you thought I was a loser. <laughs> I mean, yes, I'll give you drunk. I mean, look at me. It's seven in the morning. But uh... yeah. By the way, you want some canar? Please. The thing is, I don't think he would ever say, do you want some Kanar? Mm-hmm. Because I, I think he would not want to give him his Kanar. <laughs> I think he just wants to point out, hey, I'm drinking. <laughs> All right, more for me. Yep. I wasn't going to give it to you anyway. I actually would like a glass of that. Too bad. Uh, well, no. no. Oh, no. my, that is quite toxic. <laughs> Still my favorite Wayun line ever. That's pretty great Wayun line. I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of great Wayun. Oh, he's lines. he's awesome. And again, watching him talk to himself in this is great. Like yep. that is the sign of a really good actor on a show like this. Is okay. There are weird things that happen in sci-fi that that you may end up talking to yourself for one reason or another. Yep. Can you do it? Are you up to it? And it turns out he is. I like the they keep trying to um they keep trying to show off in front of Odo too, which I like. Oh yeah. Like it's like, well, you're clearly defective because blah blah blah. Well maybe it's you that's defective because you want to do this. And they both oh, keep looking over at that. Odo. Like huh? what, what do you think? Huh? Huh? Uh-huh. You pressed yet? <laughs> it's like Brian said, uh just he let, let's just go drive by Odo's house. <laughs> I love that image so much. Yeah, me too. I don't know, like, 
I don't know how you drive a car around Deep Space Nine, but there you go. <laughs> I just picture Oda with a house in the suburbs for some yes. reason. Yes, yes, exactly. On a little asteroid. Yes. <laughs> uh, he lives I, right I, down the street from the little prince. <laughs> wow. There's something I haven't thought about in a while. Right? Because I never watched that show. No, me neither. I'd I'm just aware on, of it. I'd flip by on Nickelodeon and say, well, this looks Europe-y. <laughs> That's usually a good sign for me to not watch it. Sorry, and, yet I wa- and, and yet I watched the Smurfs, which were Belgian, and yep. how much more Europe-y can you get? They lived <laughs> in a commune. And we're chased through, like, quaint little medieval villages by an old man. Like, that is so Europey. <laughs> you know, now that you mention it. I never and I liked that show having... just fine. Sorry? And I liked that show just fine. I just picture you as a kid. Yep, this checks out. Let's <laughs> get um, the Al seal of approvals. Damn. Yep. Um, I, I also really like the uh, religious aspect of things, like... The fact that Odo just, is, I, look, I'm not your god. I'm not yep. your god. I'm not your god. And then on his deathbed, William's like, come on, I need your blessing, please. please. I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to slip away here. I need you to send me to heaven. Can you can you do this once? And Odo's like, uh, all right. Bless. Uh, blessing. There. Here. Glory to you and your house. I think yeah. that's how this is done, right? Uh, may the force be with you and also with you. There, <laughs> that, that's it, right? I love, uh, there's a scene sort of on that note where, um, You've got Wayun has been staring at Odo, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Worshipful, worshipfully for the last uh, oh yes, twelve hours or something. Uh huh. And it's uh, Odo's like, "Will you stop that? I'm sorry, I'm just I. It's so rare I get to be in the presence of a god, not Would a you... god. I'm a security officer. So later yeah. on, it's just like it's such. Wayun's doing his usual kiss assiness. It's so nice to find to get such a great opinion from a good security officer. Yep. No, it's a great, it's a great com- comedy save. I just wanted the. It's uh, so nice to hear that from a god. Damn, great security officer, <laughs> right, buddy? Yeah, we're we are friends and equals, right? Right. I certainly don't put you on any kind of pedestal. No, here, let me. That, that chair is really dirty. Let me just dust that off for you. Here, let me let me put your bucket up here on this pedestal. Uh, raise that up just to. Well, you should be slightly higher than me. <laughs> There you go. That's better. Yeah. No, it's it's great. Um, there's also a great when they're being chased through the uh, the I guess it's like a broken up comet, like big chunks of ice. That is a pretty great sequence too. It's it's good effects. Like mm. um, the runabout is a little more maneuverable than usual because it's smaller than the the big ass Jem'Hadar ship. Yep. Which I like, and there's a lot of like really quick sort of jumping up and behind, and like I like that. Yeah, there's some but, good um, like it's very uh, it's very Star Warsy, honestly. Yes, it definitely is. Um, but then also the um, the the bit where he's like, uh, "We we have to be the ice," and the plan is to just hide in the ice and turn off all the stuff that makes yeah. heat. But but it's a very changeling way to think. Oh yeah, like becoming the thing. Well, that's what, this is what we'll do. We'll turn into ice. I can't turn into ice, and neither can the ship. No, neither can I. I can only be a mouse or a cup. But we'll, <laughs> we'll maybe it'll be a cup of ice. <laughs> Or an ice mouse. <laughs> That's what that 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 bullshit uh, Wonder Twin always did. Uh, form of an ice mouse. Yeah, because okay, like, on. like the other one got to be an animal. He only got to be uh, like the girl got to be animals. Yep. And he had to be forms of water. Yep. And sometimes he'd just be like an ice drill. Like yep. no, 
No, no, no. That's not how that works. It's like, you know, you could have made him into, like, you know, a shapeshifter or something. Instead of just an well, ice I get shifter. Each, I get each of them has a, a, a sort of a specialized thing. Yeah. But she's animals, them... which are which are varied and and can do lots of different things. Water and ice and steam, really, that's all you got. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, form of um, hail. Yeah, I haven't mm-hmm. done that one yet, right? <laughs> that's still just ice. It's just sort of hard ice that's falling. Yeah. It's really not not a great commando name. Not so much, no. Uh, still better than Gleek, though the the monkey that carried him around in a bucket. That's what Odo needs. He needs a monkey to a carry monkey him, to around, carry in him around in the bucket. I don't think Space yeah. Ghost's monkey is doing anything. We should give him a call. Oh uh, yeah. Um. But who? What? Who was his monkey? He had Jan and Jace, and then their monkey was called what? I don't remember. No, nope, it's gone. Was it Blip? Might be. Might be Blip. Now I'm trying to think of of famous monkeys that were paired with superheroes, and there's actually quite a few. Yeah, there is. Didn't didn't the Flash TV show go just just go ahead and say, "Yep, we're the Flash. Here's Gorilla Grodd for yeah, you." Yeah, it was a good episode too. <laughs> good, good for them. <laughs> uh, Fucking so, guy in a Flash costume fight fought a giant gorilla. That's as it should be. If you're making mm-hmm. a Flash show, you need to just embrace that. You yep. don't make him dark and gritty. Embrace the monkey. I'm still waiting for the one where he gets a giant head, though. Well, I mean, they've only had one season so far. It's true. So they'll, they'll get there. Um. So have we covered everything in the Odo plot? Because I kind of wanted to. Yeah, we talk can move about on the, to the uh, the Chief O'Brien the Nog and thing. Nog yeah. stuff. So this is my good thing. Nog being the supply guy is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like I worked as a as a defense contractor for a lot of years as in military supply. Like I've been in this world, not in wartime. Not I wasn't actually in the military, but it's still the same world. And guys like him who got to know people really well and who figured out, okay, we need this from you, and you need this, and I can get this from this guy, and then everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. Those guys did really well, and Nog, it turns out he's great at this. And I particularly like that, as Matt pointed out in his summary, the self-sealing stem bolts episode the, in the cards. Yeah. Uh, actually, I don't know that that was in the cards. because we. No, had, I looked it up. But I think there were two different no-day oh, enterprises. Oh, right, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the early, early one with the self-sealing stem bolts because they ended up buying dirt. Yes, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. And then in the cards happened right before the war started, which was a little later. But they were, they were, you are not wrong to compare it to that because they are both similar kinds of episodes. I'm just thinking of that first one where they were trading one thing for another thing and then trading on, that was like a practice run. It's like, I did this stuff as a kid and now I'm really good at it and now there are stakes and this is important and I can use this skill that I developed. Yeah. And it's great. And the chief it, will think I'm good. Yeah. And, if, and, and he's my surrogate father. Oh. Yep. Well, in fairness, uh, Rama has basically said, uh, think of Chief O'Brien as your father. Cause yep. I eat everything he eats and say everything he says. And we we gotta, see Rom briefly working on a corridor or something with his mouth just wide open. Mouth closed, Michael. We are not a codfish. <laughs> what is that? Mary Poppins. Ah, I've never seen Mary Poppins. It's not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things that everyone has seen and somehow I didn't. Yeah. I, I, had, I don't know that I'd go looking for it now, but... Uh... I watch Bed Knobs and Broomsticks a lot, which I feel like is basically the same thing. Yeah. So I feel like that's I... sort of Mary Poppins too. We couldn't get Julie Andrews back, so we uh, we stopped. here's Angela Lansbury instead. Yeah. No, I re- I rewatched uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks not too long ago, and it is a mess. Yeah. It's like four different movies collided. Yeah, Disney ha- occasionally has that problem. I mean, each segment in itself is good, but they don't connect at all, and they don't feel like like the same kind of thing. Well, I mean, it starts with like an adventure to a cartoon 
island and it no no, ends no it, with, it uh, ends it, it it that's more toward the end like that's like the third segment seriously yeah the first segment is like they're poor and it's wartime and they get a nanny and she turns out to be a witch uh-huh. and then the second bit is something else and then they go to the cartoon thing and then they yeah, come then back they and fight, help the then they yeah. fight hitler with suits of armor right 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 that's the last bit so yeah it's a mess anyway no, I like I like this whole Nog as a supply guy thing, and apparently it was a bit inspired by Catch Twenty Two, which I can I can definitely see the influence there. Yeah, except in Catch Twenty Two, because it's Catch Twenty Two, nothing works out, <laughs> and here everything does. I mean, that's literally what Catch Twenty Two means. Like, I really, it's, it's, I really need to watch or read Catch Twenty Two. It's good. Yeah, it's good, but it's also a bit of its time now. Like, it's one of those things where that guy was the first guy to kind of point this stuff out and you've seen yeah. stories do it over and over again and I'd be like, okay, I've read this before. Is it World War II? Uh, I mean, I think it's set in World War II, okay. but I think it was written in like the Vietnam era. So. Okay. I think it's like MASH where it's where it's using one war to, to stand in for another war. Right, okay. Anyway, it's good. And it's it's great satire and it's great. Like, lots of irony, which I love. Mm-hmm. Like, a Catch-22 situation is my kind of irony where the solution is inherent in the problem you can fix your you can fix your broken car if you can drive your car to the garage to fix your car yeah that kind of thing i love that that's just my kind of thing but um no this drew a bit from that sort of thing except again they win like he actually everyone ends up happier than where they started yep it's just in the middle it looks like chaos clusterfuck but it turns out he knows exactly what he's doing and i like that might have, you know, mentioned that at some point. but to, Well, to, uh... particularly when he got to the point of stealing Martok's blood wine. Yeah. Well, maybe you could have said, hey, I need this blood wine for a thing I'm in the middle of, but when this is all over, you'll end up with better blood wine and everybody will be happy. Is that cool? He'd probably yeah. be like, yes, Ferengi, that is cool. I respect you. You've earned my respect. I can look you in one eye I can look you in the, in the space over your head. Yep. Uh, I, but also, uh, on, on the subject of Nog, um, oh, yeah. he, he mentions his first set of ears. Oh, yeah. He's talking about, they're talking about some philosophy, some pretty cool Ferengi philosophy stuff, actually. Like, I don't always like this stuff, but I did like this, but he's like, every Ferengi child has taught that before, like, when he gets his first set of ears. What does that mean? That's disgusting. Like, like baby teeth? Yeah, like, do they fall off? Are there more ears underneath? Yeah, it doesn't Can I just start throwing up right now? Just doesn't make sense. Because that's an image. Also, <laughs> ears. Uh-huh. Season uh, seven and ears are still funny. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Let's uh but but speaking of this whole Nog subplot, let's talk about your bad thing. Okay. So um at, at one point Nog basically steals Cisco's desk. Yeah, there's to... a guy in Starfleet who want who who loves having pictures with famous captains' desks, and since he can't get to DS9, Nog just sends him Cisco's desk. I would like to see that guy on the show because he sounds like such a creep, and such a creep that we all know. Uh, see, I don't think it's that creepy. It's just like a, it's like having your picture taken in famous places or bringing your what is it, Flat Eric, to like famous locations or whatever. See, you know, like I would agree with that if Nog doesn't spe- didn't specifically say that he sneaks into people's offices. Yeah, that's where it gets weird. Th- that's gross. Or I picture him in the case of Captain Picard. Uh, uh, pulling, yeah, who they actually name check by the yeah, way. Yeah, pulling the, the pulling the desk from the wreckage of the Enterprise D. <laughs> oh no, he makes a special trip to Viridian Four, or Viridian Three, whatever Viridian it is. Yeah, and uh, 
stands there in the wreckage, like, and he's got to take a selfie because no one else wants to go with yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. This. And I picture him wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Like, <laughs> he's not in uniform. No. Well, he is in uniform, but he's got a Hawaiian shirt over the uniform. Right. But he's, like, the most casual, like, you know, um, like, tourist-looking guy. Yep. Where he's got his camera, like, his old-fashioned camera that are old-fashioned to us now in 2015 around yep. his neck. Yep, that's totally it. Yep, here I am with the, with Captain Picard's actual desk. Yeah, but anyway, you had a problem with this whole desk thing. Oh yeah, so like we get to at at one point, Chief O'Brien's basically given up on Nog and is now pretty much convinced that Nog may have run away. With well, the run desk away and and and, it, and he's constantly using Chief O'Brien's uh, access code. Yeah, just to do whatever he wants, <laughs> which is what like he gave him he gave the kid his password, which yeah. is not good. No, so. He basically goes into uh into he, he basically is trying to now replace the desk yeah. with what looks like cheap IKEA furniture, <laughs> which uh you then get Julian going. Uh, you, uh, bleh. you then get Julian going. It's white. I know I'm gonna paint it. Uh, it's not tall enough. It's not wide enough. It's not got little computers on it. But otherwise, yes, it's completely perfect. Um, this raises the small question of why can't he replicate? Cisco a new identical desk? Yeah, okay, your your larger point initially was why can't they replicate, like, why is there a parts shortage in Starfleet? Yeah. And I think we've pointed out before that there are certain complex machines that they can't replicate. Like, the, when you get to really advanced stuff, like, you can't replicate stuff with dilithium in it. Dilithium, mm -hmm. you have to mine, like, you still have to mine certain things. You, you can't replicate um, uh, latinum either. Yeah. That's a thing. Like that's why they use latinum because it's you can't counterfeit it that yeah. way. I'm sure somebody can counterfeit it some way, but not, not that way. Yeah, um, you can't just replicate it. And I think stuff like complicated starship uh, stuff you couldn't replicate either. Like you just there's there's stuff in there you you have to get firsthand. Mm -hmm. But a desk, yeah, that's where I don't really get it. Although I will give it, it's a very computery desk. Yeah, the whole surface is touchscreen. Yeah, so which I, I I honestly never really paid any attention to Cisco's desk before until this. No, not until they drew attention to it, and then it's like, wow, there's a lot going on down there. Yeah, it's it's great. I love it. Like, mm. it's like you set up several tabletop Miss Pac-Mans as a desk. Yep, I imagine that's exactly what Cisco's doing. Yep. Let's see how high I can get. Do, do, I'm playing. Do, do, I'm do, playing do, Galaga. Let's see if anybody notices. <laughs> But yeah, it's but I I don't know. Like, also, isn't it a Cardassian desk? It might be a Cardassian desk. Yes, it might be a Cardassian I'm... desk reprogrammed with. Uh... Yeah, with Federation stuff. Yeah, but I feel like when they took over, he he just sat down at Gul Dukat's desk mm -hmm. and <laughs> deleted all of the Bajoran porn on it. Yes, which was a considerable amount. You know, we have infinite storage space, and he still managed to almost fill it up. Jesus Christ. Look at all the spyware on this thing. <laughs> that's just Cardassians. They, yeah, no, there's uh, that's uh, that comes standard with every Cardassian computer. Yep, you can't uninstall it either. Uh, there's a there's a button that says "Are you sure?" and the two boxes say "Yes" and "Yes." <laughs> yes and definitely. <laughs> yes and very yes. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> Cardassian catcha keys are you have to identify how many uh, lights there are. <laughs> perfect ah. i'm just but what I'm, I'm grasping for a sort of a no prize explanation here maybe cardassian desks can't be replicated for some reason I, maybe i don't know i i don't know 
my unreplicatable but desk. Maybe at the very least, O'Brien could have like made a paper mache version that looked the same. There's an image I'd like to see. Yeah. Of course, oddly or, enough, I'm a fan of seeing any character from fiction using paper mache. Actually, I think uh, Keiko should make him an origami one, since the origami is Japanese, and she's obviously into Japanese yep. things, Matt. So I don't there's know a, if you knew that. There's a scene in this episode where, or no, it was the last one. Uh, where Keiko's uh, making tempura. Of course she is. Well, what else would she make? It was sushi last night, so tonight it's tempura. And then tomorrow night it'll be some kind of seaweed tentacled something. Yeah. I don't know. Ah. My note was literally, do you want to come over for dinner Dinner tonight? Keiko's making Japan. <laughs> That's about right. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, if she had broader interests beyond that, it wouldn't jump out at us so much. Yeah. But they've written this character to be just that. Just like O'Brien is just Irish. Yep. When she's gone, all he eats are potatoes and, like, potatoes. Potatoes and other potatoes. Yes. Potatoes and very potatoes. <laughs> But anyway, like, yeah, the the unreplicating thing doesn't really work. But on the other hand, it's one of those things they kind of have to, like, just just accept it because the story doesn't work without yeah. it. So, not will, really a big deal. I will say the image of the uh, the Ikea desk in uh, in uh, Cisco's port, or, uh, office is pretty good. Yeah, it absolutely is. And the, and the it's very sort of broad, old comedy, but it, it works. Yep. Where, where Bashir gradually escalates the, uh, but it's the wrong color. Also, it's too short. Also, it's too, like, you know, he just keeps listing things. I, I like uh, when Kira comes in and the first thing out of her mouth is, that's not his desk. Yeah, what is that? Get that out of here. And uh, Bashir goes, he's going to paint it. Yeah. No, it feels very, you know, very standard comedy, but it works. And these actors know how to make it work, you know, with each other. They have good yep. chemistry and everything. So, I don't know. I just, I like how much Nog is a part of all this now and how he has a very defined role that is different than anybody we've seen in Star Trek before, and he's yep. good at it. Yeah. No, like, they've really, like, I really like the developments with this character. Yeah, and they keep him Ferengi without making him creepy. Yeah. In the previous episode, we had uh, Sex Couch drooling over pictures of him. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a sexy young ensign. I'm gonna go look him up when we're done here. Like, I would very much like to believe that Nog got laid that week. <laughs> I want to see that episode. I don't, I don't need to see the, the sex scene. What I'm saying is I want to see her try to seduce him, the first yep. part of it. That There's some comedy for you. Why don't you come up and see me sometime? Yeah, because he, he probably to, wants to. See you to. to do what, exactly? He, he probably wants to. Oh, I'm sure. But on the other hand, he's had a year or two in Starfleet now, like, undoing all that sexist Ferengi bullshit. Yep. So he's got very conflicting impulses. Well... On the one hand, I would let her wreck me. On the other hand, I gotta respect her. I gotta oh, respect a... her, but on the other hand, her name is literally Sex Couch. Yeah, I mean, her first name is Sex, and <laughs> her second name is where we're going to have the sex. <laughs> My Sex Couch folds out into a sex bed. <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else? Uh, I think that's everything. What you got for a quote? Uh oh, <laughs> great way in line. Has it ever occurred to you that the reason you believe the Founders are gods is because that's what they want you to believe? That they built it into your genetic code? Of course they did. That's what gods do. After all, why be a god if there's no one to worship you? Yeah, but I mean, they were all great, really. Yeah, well, yeah. It's way you, he's great. Yes, yes he is. All right, that's all for this week. 
Next week we have uh, looking at the titles, not a clue. Not All a single right. clue what those are, so never mind. Something and something else. Yes. Um uh, I I'm gonna be mentioning this from now until August, but uh August twenty second at the Pocket Theater in Seattle, we will be recording our first Voyager episode live before an audience. Hopefully live you will in be in that audience. Yes. So come see that. It will be great. It will cost you nothing, by yes. the way. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. Uh, it's sort of a donation thing because they let us use the space. If you want to throw a couple bucks in, you can, but yep. you don't have to. Yeah. So you don't have to buy tickets ahead of time. You don't have to worry about, oh, God, bring cash or whatever. Just like, dude, just, just come by. Show up. Maybe maybe buy a, a beer or a soda while you're there. Yep. Like, he'll have the bar open just to, to make a couple bucks, like maybe help him out. But other than that, it's free. Yeah. So, pretty cool. And with that, we will be back next week. And until then, Matt. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. <laughs> <laughs>